Well, hi everybody and welcome to our online message this week. I'm delighted to uh, welcome you. And this week we'll be looking at Nehemiah chapter 4. You might find it helpful if you have a Bible handy to um, look up that chapter. And before I begin, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Father, we ask that um, you would speak to us now from your word. Lord, would you please encourage us where we need it? Lord, please rebuke us. And Lord, we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, my words might be life transforming words. And we pray these things in Jesus name. So in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1, um, the chapter in the NIV is headed opposition to the rebuilding. And we read in verse 1 of one of the central culprits uh, when uh, scripture says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Um, I guess one of the things that is mildly troubling about um, the mass marketing that we've been subject to in our culture is that quite a lot of that marketing is trying to persuade us that if we buy this implement or that implement, uh, we can make our lives somewhat easier. In fact, um, it's not only us. I, I read the other day that there's somebody running a yoga class for dogs. Good luck with that, I would think. Um, but here's the thing. Um, we'd love to believe, wouldn't we, that anything worth having can be gained easily. And yet, in just about every area of life, in order to make any kind of positive gain, uh, there is usually a cost to that. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 3, the um, Malachi tells us that God is like a refiner's fire. And in those days, um, getting gold ore through to the finished product was a heck of a process had to be processed, washed, and then smelted uh, to get rid of all the impurities. And finally, ultimately, from a good deal of ore, you were lucky if you might get a small nugget uh, of gold. And why did Malachi say that? Because I think Malachi was trying to teach us, and this is reinforced a little bit in the New Testament, that when it comes to discipleship, there is a likelihood that to make a gain, we might end up feeling some pain. You remember Nehemiah's task was to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. We said a couple of weeks ago, this was not just a uh, physical task, though it certainly was that, but it's also a kind of symbolic task that rebuilding the walls protected uh, the city physically, but also symbolized the protection of Jewish culture and in particular uh, their religious culture, which in exile, of course, had come under serious threat. Well, before we can understand how uh, Nehemiah dealt with this opposition, 
Um, just need to note one or two things that seem evident from Nehemiah's character. The first being that from verse 5 onwards, we learned that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. That anything that he decided, uh, any plan that he had was always earthed uh, in prayer to his Father in heaven. And that prayerfulness, of course, didn't just do Nehemiah well, it will do us well too as we battle in our discipleship in the 21st century. Secondly, he was a man who understood his clear purpose. Um, he knew, and I guess, you know, reading the Old Testament today, um, we would guess that, you know, this is hardly rocket science, that having heard that the wall of Jerusalem was still uh, in a demolished state, it was pretty obvious that somebody needed to take on the task of rebuilding those walls. And immediately that became Nehemiah's purpose. The third thing is he knew um, in leadership terms he needed to get the situation in Jerusalem from A to B. And a lot of people uh, are quite good at understanding a purpose, but in our churches, they seem particularly bad at having a plan uh, to get us from A to B. But you will note in chapter 2 that Nehemiah had a great plan to go before King Artaxerxes, uh, ask his permission to go to Jerusalem, get protection from him, get raw materials for the rebuilding of the wall. It was a very high risk, but in the end, a very good plan, which meant that he could get on his way and ultimately fulfill uh, his purpose. So he's a man of um, uh, prayer, a, a man with passion. Uh, we're told in, in verse 4 that when he heard news of the demolished wall, he wept. Uh, it was a man with a purpose and a man with a plan. But to quote Pete Seeger's old um, protest song, he, as it were, kept his eyes on the prize. Um, whatever came his way, be that opposition from Sambalat and Tobias and Geshem, uh, or be it um, uh, opposition from within. Nehemiah seemed unusually focused on the task of building this wall. And as Clive told us three weeks ago, uh, this gargantuan task was fulfilled in just 52 days. So Nehemiah experienced opposition on two fronts. First, there was external opposition from Sambalat and Tobias and a man with a terrifying name, Geshem the Arab, who we read about in chapter 2. And from the very start of uh, Nehemiah's purpose, there was a massive um, anxiety on Sambalat and Tobias and Geshem's part to try and stop this at any cost. How do they do that? Well, firstly, we're told that they started by uh, ridiculing the Jews. It tells us that at the end of verse 1. Sambalat, he ridiculed the Jews. And of course, um, you might think that um, uh, 
you know, being ridiculed is something that you don't really like. I mean, none of us likes to be made to feel smaller. And Sam Balak and his colleagues went in for this heavy duty. It is interesting in the modern world how many stand-up comics um, seem to start from a very strong atheist viewpoint. And although they're wary about criticising some religions... They apparently have no issue in kind of going through the throat of Christianity and mocking it uh, absolutely mercifully. And at some point, you just have to kind of make a decision. Are you going to let this um, pull you out of shape or are you going to withstand it? And clearly, Nehemiah was not at all intimidated by this mockery. He was just going to keep going. And when Sambalat and his colleagues discovered that mockery was not going to work, was not going to put um, Nehemiah off his stroke, then there came the threat of something far more serious and far more scary, and that was the threat uh, of physical violence. And this became uh, a major issue, and... Uh, Nehemiah had to withstand the threat um, of physical violence. In verse 12, we're told the Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times over, wherever you turned, they, that is Sambalat and his colleagues, will attack us. Again, I love the way that Nehemiah deals with these threats. In, the first thing is, proving the point I made earlier, Nehemiah is a man of prayer. So in verse 4 we read these words, Nehemiah's prayer. Here is our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. I mean, that's pretty in-your-face kind of praying, isn't it? You know, that your enemies uh, would be plundered. But nevertheless, Nehemiah went from that and prayed. Uh, that his enemies would be overturned. But also, you will note, Nehemiah didn't just deploy a spiritual strategy here, but he also deployed a practical strategy. Verse 9, we read, in the face of the physical threat and the face of the mockery, um, Nehemiah tells us, we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Physical threat, physical violence so we'll post a guard the spiritual threat that these people want to stop us fulfilling our symbolic task of rebuilding the wall and nehemiah and his colleagues get on their prayers get on their knees and pray together i mean this is amazing and of course underlying all this is a characteristic of nehemiah that again shines through the book and that was, he was not lacking in the kind of courage department. Whether it was going to um, King Artaxerxes with a risky request to be able to leave uh, the exile um, in Susa and go to Jerusalem and ask for protection and ask for materials, uh, that took nerve. And when the opposition came, that took nerve as well. And Nehemiah was not found wanting. But then there's another little piece in here that I just want to draw your attention to. 
And it's this, the people in Judah, this is verse 10, said the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Here's a problem for Nehemiah. His workforce is basically coming to him and saying, this task is just too much. We're exhausted. Leave us alone. Nehemiah isn't going to be intimidated by that anyway. How many times in churches have I heard the lack of effort uh, from church councils and from people excused on the basis, oh, people are very tired. Of course we're tired. We all get tired. The kind of life we lead uh, makes us tired. But if tiredness pulls us out of shape, then we have a problem. The other thing I would say uh, about this is that when a kind of myth begins in a community, like we're too tired and we can't do this, it's highly infectious. It quickly kind of catches fire amongst people and becomes uh, a real issue. Nehemiah was not going to be intimidated by that because he knew that his purpose needed to triumph over the opposition. Let me close this message by saying that um, in the New Testament, the one thing that is pretty clear, although we choose to ignore it, is that Jesus' approach to opposition was not if it happens. No, rather his approach was when it happens. And friends, uh, we need to bear this in mind. Right now, uh, I think as the tides of secularism wash against the church, as we try and work out how do we get into some kind of recovery following lockdown? Uh, as we face the inevitable challenges of lockdown. I think we need to heed Nehemiah's strategy for dealing with opposition. Firstly, we don't need to be intimidated. Secondly, we don't need to fear. And thirdly, we need to put together spiritual strategy with physical strategy. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed to his God and deployed guards to guard the work that was being completed. I think that um, on a personal level, you know, let me talk a, a moment for those of you who have suffered from addictive uh, illnesses. So, you know, it's important that you pray about your addiction, pray that God would heal you. It's important that your friends in church pray for you as well. But then there's some practical things that it's useful to do. One is if your addiction is alcohol, stay away from supermarket, um, the alcohol section, stay away from um, off licenses, stay away from bars. Uh, if um, prescription drugs are your problem, tell your doctor that. If non-prescription drugs are your pro drugs are your problem, stay away from dealers and these kind of people. Oftentimes, on a personal level, putting together spiritual and practical strategy 
will help us claim victory. Nehemiah teaches us, one, very likely if a work is spiritual, either individually or in our churches, there will be opposition. Two, we shouldn't shirk opposition or kind of go home with our bad ball and stumps, but we should stand there, stand against it. The third thing is we should be spiritual in our approach. The whole issue of Ephesians chapter 6, you remember that amazing chapter about the uh, weapons that God has given to us to um, fight spiritual warfare with. The implication of that chapter is don't fight um, spiritual battles with worldly strategies. No, fight spiritual battles with the spiritual uh, weaponry that God has provided you for in Ephesians chapter 6. So we will be praying against opposition. We pray for bold plans in our church and in our lives uh, in order that we might see the church in our time get into some kind of recovery. On a personal level, whatever your struggle is right now, wherever the opposition is coming uh, to you, remember this, that um, God wants you to overcome. And he will supply the resources for you to overcome. But you need to show him that you are intentional about overcoming. And the final thing is this. Opposition needs to be dealt with. We just turn our backs on it, then the strength of that opposition on a church front, on a personal front, will just increase in velocity and make it harder for you and me to claim the victory. The amazing thing about the gospel is in the end, it shows us that Jesus triumphed over the most incredible evil, the most terrible opposition on the cross of Calvary. And the great news for Christians is that we're not fighting for victory, but we're fighting from victory. Friends, God bless you. Have a good week and Amen.